Okay, friends, I'm going to read our scripture for today. And if you've got your book, you can grab it or your Bible, grab that as well. And if you forgot your book in your car, you can run out and go get it really quick. Um, but we are reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 45 today. And friends, it is an action-packed adventure. So go ahead and stand to your feet for the reading of God's word this morning as a sign of honor. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went into her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That's why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as the testimony to them. Instead, the man went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Mm. Amen. Go ahead and be seated, friends. Thanks, Jen. Good morning, everyone. If you hear a baby in the house, it's my nephew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my sister's here with my little nephew. Oh, more babies. Hey, babies are welcome. Don't even think twice about having your baby here. I love them. I love the sound of it. I'm in dad nostalgia mode, so I might start crying. <laughs> okay, a couple of quick announcements. Number one, we wanted to, I want to give a shout out to people in the tent. Those are some hearty souls out there. I mean, 10 people, uh, chapel, online people, we love you, we're glad you're with us. Secondly, it's back to school. Anybody here got someone going back to school? 
Come on, yes, look at all, look at all this. Yeah, all the parents are here in the house, grandparents. Good to see you guys. I wanted to take a moment and pray for everybody that's in this back to school moment. We want to just give a shout out to teachers and educators, um, administrators, homeschool parents. Come on, homeschool parents. They got, that's a, no, that, there's, a, there's some hardy stock right there. Uh, yeah, and our students, our kids, uh, families, and our Coast Kids preschool team. Um, we're so grateful for all you guys. So uh, we want to pray for you guys, but I just want to invite the teachers, the educators, homeschool parents. If you just want to stand up, we want to pray a blessing over you guys. We're so grateful for you. Come on. Let's just give them a round of applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay up. Stay up for one minute. So grateful for you. Oh, my mom was a teacher. Ooh, you know, I got a special spot for you guys right here. Let's pray for you, these guys. Lord, thank you so much. Uh, strengthen them, Lord, to spend all day with our kids, in some cases with their own kids. We're so grateful, God, that you have seasoned your salt on our schools all over this country, this city, this county. We just bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. May the Lord just give you a fresh feeling of his love for those kids. May he give you wisdom and discernment. May you be like a bright light in the darkness that we know is on those campuses. And uh, Lord, we just lift up um, all the homeschool families that are just back into a, that full life of a schedule in their home. Bless them, Lord. And uh, we pray for this next generation. May they rise up knowing the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Grateful for you. All right, here we go. Well, let me start with the story. Get us in the mood for Mark. Is he not on fire? This passage is just muy fuego. Muy fuego. Mucho fuego. Yeah, so uh, my son loved Thomas to train, you know, the little toys. We would go to Barnes and Noble and Encinitas, and we would go, and they had this little Thomas the Train set up, and all these kids was huddled or were huddled around the train set this one day. We couldn't get to it, them and their little snotty fingers were all over it, and we said, hey, son, what if we go see a real train? And he just, you know, four years old, just imagine a little guy, a little, little moppet with big head of hair, and he starts chanting, real train, real train, real train, and we're just marching out to the car, and we're going downtown Encinitas to go see the real train. We've got some ice cream. We post it up right where the arm comes down to wait for the train, and sure enough, it did come. We're right at the Encinitas station thinking it's going to get up there and stop. So there we are, right up against the arm. Ding, 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 ding. He's on my shoulders. He's bouncing. He's so fired up. You know, him and his sticky ice cream hands on my hair. And the train's coming, and this is like the surf liner. This thing does not stop. It just comes full speed. Mach 3, barreling through. Ground shaking. Horn blaring. Boop, boop, you know. And gravel being kicked up. And the force of the train's momentum just kind of blasted his back, you know, but he's on my shoulders and he's bouncing up there and the train just blows by. I mean, I, I feel like I could have just touched that thing. It was so close. And he's on my shoulders just bouncing and I think he's just bouncing with joy until I pull him down. His face is like ashen, pale. <laughs> he's just... <laughs> his hair. <laughs> he's just... It was a little bit of a PTSD moment, but the rest of the day, he had this sort of like dread fascination with trains, all day chanting, real train, real train. 
I, I just think, you know, it's like a, the, the train is not going to, you know, it's not a monster that's going to eat him, but it's just being that close to something with so much power can kind of catch you off guard and overwhelm you. That's kind of what this page is like in Mark. Jesus has shown up and he's confronting everyone's little toy God. And he's like, yeah, 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 you got your toy God. How about I introduce you to real God? And he's giving all of us a front row seat to meet real God. And it's exciting in this passage, and we see the exhilaration, but it's a, it's a little overwhelming, too, to be that close to God's presence and power. I'll never forget a moment when God was healing students from UCLA at a retreat that we were doing. Students were getting healed, literally in cast, jumping, going, oh my gosh, Jesus, heal my leg. It was pretty amazing. And students went outside, and this one gal, I just went out and followed her, and I said, hey, are you okay? And she was just crying, and she was shaking. She's like, I'm just so scared. And I go, hey, did, 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 did I or any speaker say anything weird? She's like, no. I've just never been that close to God before. I've never seen that before. And so it was just a little scary, okay? So that's what we see here in Mark, and Jesus is introducing us to real God. And what I want us to notice is that though the action starts in Capernaum, it starts in a synagogue. Let's go to the synagogue real quick. Look at this. This is the Capernaum synagogue right here. Yes, right now standing, this is from the fourth or fifth century. When they drilled down, the archeologists get beneath the foundation of this temple, you know what they found? They found the foundation of a first century synagogue. And scholars have no doubt this is from the time of Christ. This is the same synagogue. Isn't that exciting? I just think that's fascinating that they can find these moments in real life, you could go fight, be there. And here's something even more extraordinary. Next door, I think it's off to this side, they um, found the remnants of a very early church. When they went through the, the third, the second to the first archaeological level to find what was there, it was the oldest part of the foundation. So there's an archaeological level from a building from the, I can't remember what century it was, but as they got deeper, they got to a first century house that this church had been built on. They found pots and pans or whatever they used to cook, and I can't remember, pottery. They found, get this, fish hooks. And uh, scholars with a very high degree of certainty, not even, these are not even Christian scholars, these are just archeologists, have strong reason to believe that this is Peter's house. Okay, I can't go into all the detail about this. So go look at it, about it online. It's gonna blow your mind. But the reason why I highlight it is because these places that we are reading about are rooted in historical reality. This is not mythology and legend. These places are real and based on eyewitnesses of many people that saw these things happening with their own eyes. And I want to just root and ground the entire moment we are looking at because it's amazing, right? Healings, demons flying everywhere. It's like, what? But this stuff is rooted in historical reality, in fact. The scene spills over from the synagogue and ends up in Peter's home. Now, let me ask you real quick. When you leave church, I don't know about you, but the first thing I'm thinking about when I leave church, especially at this time, is what? Lunch. <laughs> Where am I going to go for lunch? I am not expecting that whatever we talked about to begin to spill over into my home. 
And that's what happens in this scene. Peter, or Simon invites Jesus into his home. They leave the synagogue. They go into his home. And what happens? Everything that Jesus has been talking about begins to just kind of bubble up and explode in his home. People start getting healed in his home. People are getting freed up from evil spirits. The whole town is at his door. His own mother-in-law gets healed. And that frames our message for today. What can we expect when we open the door of our life to Jesus? Because Jesus doesn't just bounce around from synagogue to synagogue. He gets off the stage and he jumps down into Simon's home and he wants to get into your life. Jesus wants to get into your life. He wants to get into your home today. He wants to get into your marriage. He wants to get into your your children's lives, your roommates. He wants to get into the personal parts of your life where you desperately need a reawakening of God's nearness. Where could you use a fresh awareness of the nearness of God in your life. Where would that be? Okay, I want you to draw that to mind as we dive into this passage. Three things that we can expect when we open the door to Jesus. He is going to bring three gifts. His authority, his power, and his passion. Let's call it the Jesus app. I don't know. Is that cheesy? (laughs) Anyways, let's move on. (laughs) Authority. Let's talk about the authority that Jesus brings. I want to turn to verse 21. Look at verse 21 with me. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue, began to teach, and the people were amazed at what? His what? One last second. Come on, come on, come on, come on. on. Yeah, yeah, his teaching. I want to highlight that because you would think, no, no, first it's going to be all the demons are getting kicked out, all the healing. They get amazed by that too. But there was something about the way and about what Jesus was teaching that was blowing people away. Because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. So when you open the door to Jesus, he comes into our life with authority to teach us God's truth. Let's talk about that. Verse 14, when Jesus, um, when we talk about God's truth on page one in verse 14, if you'll flip there in your books, we'll get verse 14 real quick. The way that Jesus encapsulates his truth and his message is in this phrase, the good news of God. Look at verse 14. Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Now that term, good news, Christians today we call the gospel. And it's getting the gospel into our lives that's Jesus' top priority. He wants to heal us physically. He wants to cast out evil from our life, but he's got to get the message so that we know the source of the gift. He wants the gifts of God's kingdom in our life, but he wants us to know where they're coming from and who they're coming from. He wants us to know the goodness of the giver when we get the gift. Do you get that? Look at verse 38 right here in this section we're looking at. Verse 38, look at it real quick. Let us go somewhere else, Jesus says later, to the nearby villages so I can what? Preach there also. And here, that is why. Do you circle that? Circle that, just circle that. Why? That is why I have come. Why would Jesus put this at the top of his priority to teach when he can heal people and he can kick unclean spirits out of people's lives? Why would he want us to hear his teaching? Why would his teaching be so important when he has the power to heal people of every disease they've ever seen? 
That's what we need to understand. Let's get into this text right here. The gospel is the good news that God has come near to us through Jesus. And when you open the door to Jesus in your life, you are inviting Jesus to come with the authority of his message, God's truth, the gospel, to awaken us to the nearness of God. God's word awakens our souls, our minds, our bodies, our relationships to the nearness of God. Apart from God's word, the idea that God is near to us with his love, with his power, becomes fuzzy, dim. It gets relegated to the back shelf of our life and becomes more urban legend rather than a dynamic spiritual power that is renewing us. The awareness of God's nearness transforms us, changes us. I'll give you an example. My sister had to go backstage with her little boy, but when I'm holding her, when it, just you know, for the last couple of days she's been visiting us, and I'm holding Jace, the little guy, He's like 13 months old. Man, when he gets away from his mom, he starts freaking out. He's like, ah, I'm holding him. I'm trying every fun little trick in the book. I'm an experienced dad. I know how to do this. No, dude, he's having none of it. I've got all kinds of toys and little faces I make and little voices I do. Nope, nope. But the minute he can see his mom again and she's near to him, he calms down. There's a deep part of you that longs for more than a California burrito or the best surf of your life. And it's this part of you that longs for the nearness of your Father in heaven. And the good news is the truth of God that first awakens us to God's nearness. And secondly, the authority of that truth realigns us with God's life so that the way that we live is bringing us closer and closer with the goodness of God. The gospel is the good news that the goodness of God has come to earth to fill our life. Could you use some of that goodness? When you look at this passage, what is that goodness? Is it, is it the goodness of sitting through a sermon every week? Well, that's not bad. You know, I try, I try. But look at how rich this goodness is. It's a power to bring God's salvation in many forms. I'll, listen to this. Paul describes the power of the gospel in this way. Chapter 1, verse 16. Look at this. Paul writes, a person who would later follow Jesus wrote, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And the people are feeling the authority of that message the, the, the authority of that truth to realign them with God's life and way of living, and they're experiencing the goodness when our lives are aligned with God. I want to read this line out loud with all of you. Let's really just take this to heart. Ready? Starting at the top, let's read it out loud. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Now, what does this salvation look like? 
based on this passage. If someone said, hey, I'm not a Christian, you're a Christian, come on, Sean, you've been walking with Jesus for a while now, what does that salvation look like? I would want you to take them to this section right here and say, this is what it looks like. And have them tell you what they see. How would you describe the goodness of God from this passage? What does salvation look like here? It is good news to people's bodies, they're being healed. It is good news to their soul, they're being forgiven for sin and being realigned with God. It is good news to our relationships, they're being brought together in community. So what does it mean to open the door to Jesus? It means to welcome his good news into our homes, to welcome the word of God into our house. So what would that look like for you? I want you to think for a minute. What could it look like for you to open the door to God's good news in your home? For some of us, it might just be for the first time accepting Jesus as the leader and savior of our life. And when you do that, as a parent especially, you are opening the door to God's presence in your whole family. Because as a parent, you are the thermostat, not the thermometer, the thermostat of the emotional and spiritual atmosphere of your home. The difference is a thermometer reacts to the prevailing temperature. Are you with me? It's like, your kids are stressed, you're stressed. Your kids are angry, you're angry, you know? Your kids are, dry, you know, are acting crazy, you get crazy, you know? They get loud, you get louder. That, see, that's a thermometer. Ever been there, parents? Oh, come on now, I've got, I was there. I was there last night. Yo, kids, Lord. But parents are a thermostat. We set the temperature of the home. And you are setting the temperature spiritually. And you're setting it to God's goodness when you accept Jesus as your savior. Coming to church is not just about your kids getting a moral foundation, that's a good thing. Or a good religious tradition in their life. It is about opening your child's life to the presence of God and his goodness. Just right now, I was watching Jay as we were worshiping, and I just saw him. He looks at me, he smiles, and no joke, he just does this. Puts his hand up. Wow, just worshiping God. Okay. The power to free us from evil. When you open the door to Jesus, you're opening the door to Jesus and his power to free us from evil. Let's read verse 23. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now I can only imagine right now, some of us are like, come again, unclean what? But the only unclean thing you really believe in are unclean dishes in your sink. The idea that there's such a thing as unclean spirits, that there's a spiritual realm, a spiritual dimension to our existence is hard for you. I get that. I get that. Many of us have been raised in a hyper-materialist reality. That the only thing that's real are the things I can touch and see, and that there's an invisible world undergirding our material world that's hard to believe in. But let me give you an example it's true, it's a metaphor. I'm just gonna give you a metaphor. But when you look at me, you just see a shirt and pants. You don't see all of the atoms that are vibrating with energy and are connected through electrical bonds. You don't see any of that. 
In fact, what is matter? Matter is energy. And you don't see the atoms and the molecules. You don't see the vibrating energy. You just see a shirt. You see this color. Right? There's this whole invisible world that were you to take a microscope, you would see, whoa, that's a different world that you can't see with your eyes. But it's real. Are you with me? It's there. Well, the spiritual world is the same. And there are spiritual forces of evil in the world. Today, when we see people going on elementary school campuses and shooting little children, it is so jarring to us. Even secular people are going, what is going on? I thought the smarter we got as a, as a, as a nation, I thought the more educated we became, the evil would be done. But that does not solve the problem of evil in our world. Evil is a spiritual reality. Let's get to this. I want to impact three things that will help us understand this idea of evil. Um, how can we understand evil from this passage? Seven times you'll see references to demons or impure spirits in this passage. Just look at it real quick. Mark wants us to understand that Jesus came to face evil in the world and get to the root of it. Look at verse 23. We see impure spirit there. Look at verse 26, impure spirit. Verse 27, impure spirit. Then watch, jump. Look down at verse 32, demon-possessed. Look down again, 34. It's all over. Seven times you're going to see references to impure spirits and demons. Evil. What is evil? Based on this, three things. It is moral, spiritual, and powerful. It's more than that, but let's go with that. It is moral. Evil is related to the choices that we make that deviate from a standard of goodness. That, does that make sense? You see someone do something that deviates from your standard of goodness, we go, ah, that's wrong, that's bad, that's evil. Secondly, it's moral, it's spiritual, because the ultimate standard of goodness is what? It is God's truth. Not our truth, not your truth. Hey, that has its place, all right? That has its place. My truth is, I wear these shoes because they have great arch support and my back doesn't hurt. So these shoes are my truth. Okay, but that's not what we're talking about when we talk about evil, all right? We're talking about an objective standard of truth and that when we deviate from it, it creates consequences in the world that we can't even understand that baffle us because we're not always aware of the true standard of goodness because that standard of goodness is God and his truth. And thirdly, powerful. It's moral, it's spiritual, and it's powerful. These are spiritual forces that lay hold of our life that with all of our willpower, we cannot overcome. Do you believe that? Do you believe that there are spiritual forces of evil that are so strong that your willpower is not enough? Some of us are not so convinced. Let me give you a metaphor, an example. It's like addiction. An addiction is something that is a desire, the force of a desire on our life that with all of our willpower, we cannot overcome. In fact, that's one of the important tenets of overcoming an addiction is admitting that by myself, I cannot overcome it. My willpower is not enough. And there are spiritual forces in the world that we open our life to through our choices. And that we can make choices that are not in line with God's truth, but are in line with evil and can open our lives to the influence of evil spirits. And yes, that's real, and that is true. I wouldn't tell you that if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes and watched people come under the influence of evil because of terrible choices they were making. And I've been there, 
and I've had to, in the name of Jesus, command unclean spirits to get out of people's lives. But I don't want to freak anybody out, so we will dive into that later. I'll save it for Nick. I think, Nick, you're preaching that message. <laughs> We're going to look at Jesus cast out a legion of unclean spirits out of someone's life. I think you got that one. I'm not sure. But good luck. <laughs> C.S. Lewis said this about evil. Get this great quote. Uh, no, we don't have it on quote, but I'll read it to you. Uh, he said this, badness is only spoiled goodness. I love that statement. Badness or evil is only spoiled goodness. The evil one cannot create his own thing. He can only take the goodness of God and twist it. Think of an egg. You get that egg out of the fridge. Man, that thing is packed with six grams of protein. Good enough for Rocky, good enough for me. Let's get that egg. Super healthy, super good. I got the organic free range kind. I love those little guys, that bright orange yolk. But man, you take that egg and you stick it under the couch without air conditioning. What do you got in two weeks? Yeah, you got a room of stench. That is evil. It is something good that has been spoiled, but we're not always aware of how our choices are spoiling God's goodness. And so when we take things, the gifts of God into our own hands, apart from God's truth that should have authority in our life, and we start having intimacy with someone outside of marriage, and we go, why, who is it hurting? You're sticking the egg under the couch. And it starts creating a reek. It starts creating a trail of brokenheartedness and baggage that pastors have to minister to when they get decide they want to get married. And we got to minister to those, that baggage and that, those painful places. Here's the point that Jesus, when we open the door, he comes in with power to free us from evil. Okay, here's what I mean addictions that we can't break free from, thoughts that we cannot silence, anxious thoughts, fearful thoughts, lustful thoughts, desires we cannot control. My friends, look, if you are trapped with a desire that you just feel like, I cannot control this, anger, bitterness, lust, come on, you're not alone. And Jesus came to free you, not to condemn you. You don't need to be ashamed. You need to come out into the open and let someone heal you. And I mean, let someone bring the power of Christ into your life to heal you. It's one of our great joys, isn't it, Nick, as ministers, to watch people set free. We can't set people free, but the Lord can. Hmm. I'll move on from that story. Let's go to passion to heal us. Verse 40. Look at verse 40. I'm gonna, I want to do something this morning. I didn't get to do it at the 845, so let's get to this one. Verse 40. When we open the door to Jesus, he comes with his authority to teach us God's word. He comes with power to free us from evil, and he comes with passion to heal us. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. When we open the door to Jesus, we discover his passion uh, to heal us. Now, right away, when Jesus gets into Simon's home, he brings Jesus to his sick mother-in-law and Jesus heals her. And he's so gentle. I want to talk about Jesus' style 
of healing because it's, it's where people experience his authority to some degree. It was the way he did things. He didn't walk in the room and go, be healed. He didn't do a big jig and then kick the fever out of the woman. No, people have done that. <laughs> I mean, he's so gentle. He just, look at it right here. It's almost, you can almost miss it. Verse 41, Jesus, uh, uh, right here. He reached out his hand and touched the man. There's two references to healing specifically where Jesus just takes the hand of the mother-in-law, he touches the leper, he's so gentle, and that speaks to his authority. He doesn't need to create a show, no song and dance, no big crazy voice, he's so gentle. Jesus is indignant. Why is that? Why is he indignant in this moment? What do you think he's mad about? Do you think he's mad because he doesn't want to heal this guy? Oh my gosh, Needy, 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 do you really, it's like, you know, you know, do you think he's annoyed with the guy because Jesus is exhausted and just kind of hangry or something? I mean, what's going on with his, his indignance? Uh, you know, I think when we look at this moment, we know it's not because he doesn't want to heal the guy. Maybe some of us feel that way. That when we bring need for healing, maybe some past disappointment, we didn't see someone we prayed for healed in the past. I've been emailed before where I talk about Jesus' passion to heal. And people have been angry at me for talking about that because they prayed. This one woman, oh, she'd prayed for her mother to be healed. And her mother had died. And she was so angry. Why would you talk about healing when my mom died and you just get people's hopes up? And then I just got into a conversation with her. And man, she was just carrying disappointment and hurt, and she was blaming herself. And man, it was amazing to watch Jesus heal that. And she's like, now I'm glad you talked about healing, because I needed to be healed of my anger and my disappointment and my guilt. Some of us are praying for healing right now, we're not seeing it, but listen, we don't always understand this side of heaven, how God is moving, or why things certain, ha- things, certain things happen. Heck, I don't understand how a microwave works, but you know what? I put my food in there and I hit that little button. And Jesus is saying, I am willing. So when we come to Jesus, he's not angry that we're bringing these needs to him. He is willing. And let that resonate over every prayer you pray for someone to be healed. We should be praying for healing. This side of heaven, we're in an engagement period. We're engaged with Jesus. But he hasn't moved in yet. So all the benefits of him consummating this bond that we have with him has not yet been fulfilled. Look at what it says in scripture about him coming. It says, uh, where is that? Uh, Oh yeah, Revelation 1, 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. He is coming. But this side of heaven, we're already beginning to see the goodness of God's presence showing up as we pray for people. And the more people we pray for, the more healing we're gonna see. How many people here have ever seen someone healed through prayer? Have seen someone healed by God? Raise your hands high if you've seen, you know, you didn't see it in the moment, you didn't see their leg grow up, maybe you did, but you saw someone, the result. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, look around everybody, look around. Okay, would you just stand up if you raise your hand? You're not standing for yourself, you're standing as a testimony to God. Look at all the examples Look at all this. Come on, get up there and just, let's just show all of ourselves. God is on the move. 
God is on the move. I've seen people healed of cancer. I've seen people die of cancer. I know we can't always reconcile that, but listen, allow God to move and we'll just, we, we bring the need to the Lord and we let him, we trust him with it. We just leave it with him. But our job, like Simon, is he brought Jesus to his mother-in-law and let Jesus deal with that. And that's what we do. We, do, we just bring him to the Lord. Look around this room. Look at all what the Lord's doing. Look at how the Lord has done this good stuff. Come on. Look at this stuff. I bet we could hear just crazy stories if we just let all of you get up here. But then we would not. Children's ministry would hate me. Go ahead and sit down. Listen. I want to just have a moment where we allow this word to resonate in our hearts where Jesus says, I am willing. I'm willing. This is his passion. He's so angry with sickness and death and the devil. That's the indignant. What is he mad about? He hates cancer. Have you ever looked at someone suffering from a disease and just hated the disease? Have you ever had a moment like that? You just hate cancer. You hate the, I hate stomach flus, man. Don't even come near me with that. And you just hate it. That's Jesus. I just want to have a moment right now where we just offer ourselves to the Lord and just invite his healing because he's gentle, he's loving, and his power is in this room to heal. And if there's some place in your body right now, some place in your body that you can feel needs healing, especially if you can feel it, you can bring anything to the Lord, but let's just do a little something. Is there anything in your body right now that needs healing? A pain in the back, in the knee, in the joint, in the head, any pain, headache, soreness, achiness. I want you just to draw to mind any place that you would like Jesus' healing. Can you locate that place right now? Okay, hold that. Secondly, you may know someone who needs healing. Let's take a moment and pray for them too, okay? You may know someone who needs healing in your life. They got a fever, an autoimmune disorder, arthritis. Let's pray for them. Huh? Toothache? Hey, he's good with all of it. Nothing's too small for him. Okay, let's start with first, if you have some need for healing, let's put your hand, your hand, on that place that best represents that pain. Yeah, put it right here, here, here. Put that place, your hand on that place that represents that that need for healing, right there. And I just want to read this over you, and then let's pray for healing right now. It says in Isaiah, listen to these words. Surely he took up our pain, Isaiah 53, 4, and he bore our suffering. Lord, you want to take up our pain. Jesus, you are willing. You love to heal. You've come with the good news that there is salvation, spiritual and physical. And Lord, I just want to pray right now. I just want to pray a release of your healing power into those places of pain. In the name of Jesus, I pray Jesus' healing power to flow right into that place of pain right now in Jesus' name. Let it flow into your knee, your back, your stomach, your head, your fingers. Let it flow into your heart. I just bless the healing power of Jesus to flow right now. Like the electricity flowing through the currents in this room, lighting up the room. 
may the power of Christ just flow through the Spirit into your body and heal you. May the pain begin to subside. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that wasn't so scary, was it? It wasn't so bad. Okay. Uh, let's pray for people who are sick and who need healing. Can we do that right now? Okay, bring them to mind. If you have someone in your life that you want to see heal the sickness, and if you're able, stand up. If you're not, just put a hand up. Let's stand up for those people. Come on, is there someone in your life you want to pray for? Someone we need to lift up. Uh, I'm going to pray. I want to invite the band to come on out. And as the band's coming out, let's bring them to mind. And I just want to invite you just to whisper their name under your breath. Just whisper their name. Bring that person to the Lord. Lord, we, like Simon, want to bring you to our loved ones who are sick, who are broken, and are in need of healing. And Lord, we just bring you now before them. We pray for healing, your healing power through the Spirit to flow into their life. We pray that, God, you would release them from the pain, release them from the suffering, Lord, release them from the heavy burden they're bearing. We pray, God, for the good news of your love and your healing presence to flow into them. You came to declare that the kingdom of God is near. May it be so in their bodies. Right now, we declare the kingdom of God over them. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on. Let's give a round of applause to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord is so good. Listen, as we go into this song, we're going to bring this time to a close, but I want us to go into this song and prepare ourselves for a choice. Some of us have never opened the door to Jesus as Savior and leader of our life. When you do, you are inviting this, the authority of his truth, to realign your life with him. You are inviting the power of his presence to free you from evil harassing thoughts, desires you can't control, the fear of where the world is going. Yeah, that's an evil. You should not be gripped with that fear. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the world. But Christians, we already know how this is gonna end. And we are not to live under a yoke of fear. And you might be under a yoke of fear, and I just want you to invite Jesus to come and lift that yoke off your back and break that evil that's hanging over you. And lastly, to welcome his passion to heal you. All right, I'm gonna give you a chance, if you've never done that, to do that in just a minute. The goodness of God is running after you, and some of you don't know what that goodness is, and you've never opened your life to that goodness. Listen, Jesus came to earth to run after you. That's the gospel. The God has come to earth to run after us with his goodness. Through Jesus' death, he absorbed in himself the power of evil in this world to separate us from God. When Jesus went to the cross, he went there to take the power away from everything in this world that could separate you from knowing God personally the doubts that cloud our vision about the truth of God in our life and his intention toward us, you are created to walk with God. And right now, I wanna give you an opportunity to open the door to him. And when you do, he comes into our life with the authority of God's truth. 
to realign your life, to repent, to turn around and get right with him. Because the choices we make without God open our life to evil when it's not God's truth. Come on now. Don't you want God's goodness? What does it look like? It looks like healing. It looks like freedom. It looks like what we see here. This is the goodness of God. Look at Revelation 3.20. Here I am, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. If you would like to open your life to Jesus and let him in, and you've never done that before, I just love for you just raise your hand. And it's just a simple raising of the hand and saying, you know what, Jesus, I want to let you in. Okay, first, if you've never done that, would you just pop your hand up? And we're, we're not going to do anything weird to you. We're just going to pray over you. Okay, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see in the back, my man, I see you. I see you. Who else? You're ready to say, Jesus, I'm ready to let you in. I want to open that door and let your word come in. Yep, yep, yep. Come on, anybody else? When you open that door, you're inviting the power of God's presence into your home, into your life, into your body, into your children, into your friendships. Anybody else? Maybe you've done it before, but you need to renew that openness to God. The door has kind of gotten a little closed, gotten a little busy, a little distracted, and you need to renew that openness to him working in your life. I see you back there. I see your hand up. Raise your hand now. If Maybe it's not the first time for you, but you need to renew that openness to God. There's some area of healing you need, some area of forgiveness. You're not doing this for me. This is your way of saying, God, this little raising of the hand is an act of faith. We talked about it last week. You're responding. I see you in the back. I see you guys. I see you. I see you guys. As you raise your hand, you're participating. You're opening your heart by raising your hand. It's a way of saying, God, I'm in. I see you, brother. I got you. All right, we're going to... I see you right here. Opening our hearts to Jesus, we're going to use communion today to represent that choice, to open our hearts and let him in. Okay? So as you take in the elements, you're bringing in Jesus. You're saying, Jesus, come on in. Come on in. Come on in with your grace. Come on in with your good news. Come on in, Jesus, with your love, your power, your truth. I'm ready to repent. I'm ready to change my mind about how I'm living and get right with you. I'm ready to forgive where I've been holding bitterness. I am ready to pray for healing and not be discouraged anymore. I'm ready to trust you, God, with the pain. I'm ready, God, to open you to my kids and my home. I want you in here. You ready for that? Here we go. Because he died on the cross to make that possible. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he lifted up the bread and he broke it. And he said, my body is going to be broken for you so that the breach in your relationship with God could be reunited, made whole. When Jesus was broken on the cross, he did it to renew our relationship with God. To free us from our doubts, in our unbelief. Let's eat this in remembrance of him. Yeah, it's that little top invisible layer. <laughs> yeah, right there. Gonna have to use a nail, maybe. Okay, then he, um, 
God, I love Jesus. Such a fun guy. Such a party animal. I mean that in the best sense of, you know, because God loved good parties. Just read the Bible. And he lifts up a big glass of wine and he's like, come on, guys. This right here, this wine, this represents my blood. Oh, man. He's like, this is my blood that I'm going to pour out on the cross for the forgiveness of your sin so that there will never be a failure that you commit in your life that can separate you from God. And there's no failure, no sin committed against you that can hold you back. I'm going to free you. I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to release my forgiveness into you for others who have wronged you. Could you use some of that? Let's drink this. He said, drink this in remembrance of me. Let's drink and welcome Jesus into our hearts afresh. Lord, we welcome you. Let's open our hands up to the Lord. Lord, we welcome you to heal us. We welcome you, Lord, to heal others through us. We welcome you, Lord, to reawaken faith in our life where there's been doubt, unbelief, or just stubbornness, doing things our way. Today, Lord, you're saying, I welcome you home. Do it my way. You're not going to regret it. And Lord, I pray that you send us out today with a fresh joy in our step because God, the kingdom has come and you are near. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made a faith decision today, come on, if you made a faith decision, could we give a round of applause to them? Yeah, so good. All right, we got a prayer team up here. Oh, we got Lindsay up here. She's ready to bring some prayer and thunder on you. Come on. We got some prayer warriors. If you made a decision, don't just slip away, but we want to give you a free little gift. These guys are going to pray for you real quick. Let the moment really get cemented in your heart and help you grow this moment into a lifelong journey with Jesus. So come on up to the front. Let us pray for you. God bless everybody. I'll see you outside with my lollipops. <laughs>